Hey, hey, welcome back, team, to another episode of Beautiful Dust Specs, a podcast designed to teach you that the ordinary is truly extraordinary. I'm your host, Alex Hofeld. You bring the curiosity, I'll bring the science. In this episode, I want us to discuss and contemplate and think about our ability to learn, not only our ability to learn, our ability to personify and change where our awareness lies to their then change the fundamental feeling within ourselves. We can change our awareness to actually change ourselves, change the fundamental matter that makes us up. And the focal point of this is going to be neuroplasticity, gratitude, and empathy. And why should you listen to this episode? Because everybody could use more of that in their lives. Somebody who is flowing, somebody who's in a great state, is somebody who is in a higher gratitude arena, somebody who has more empathy for themselves and the people around them. We can have gratitude for the world, the science, the lives, the the earth, the universe around us, and above all, we can have gratitude and empathy towards ourselves. So this little journey, this story we're telling this episode, really centers on our ability to be neuroplastic. The neuroplasticity of the human body is an amazing, absolutely mind-bending thing to think about. You're sitting in this chair right now, this amazing machine made up of four biological molecules. You are composed of proteins, lipids, carbohydrates, and nucleic acids. That cornerstone, that focal point, the, bu- the blueprints of you is that deoxyribonucleic acid. That therefore then turns into and is decoded into protein synthesis to make the proteins that make you up, which is an amazing thing in itself. It's only 20 amino acids in the universe, in the world, not the universe really, the earth here, 20 amino acids that we have found, there's only 20 amino acids that can be you know, combined and linked through polypeptide chains to make these proteins. These proteins give you the structure, which give you the function, and that function is what we call life. This machine made of 10,000 trillion working cells, and these cells communicate. These cells adapt. They change. They are pliable. You are a sponge to the world around you. Right now, you are a wash in information, especially if you're listening to this podcast. This is knowledge. This is information that I am now flinging into your tim panic membranes, your eardrums, which are then resonating into your cochlear, the tiny inner ear, the, the liquid bending and flexing these neuroreceptive hairs, changing the brain. You're changing literally the brain, changing the gray matter of your mind right now. When you learn, when you learn a new skill or you hear a new sentence, anything always around you, if you are open to it, even if you're not, you don't even realize you are learning. Think of all the skills you've acquired over your lifetime. Think of all the skills you've acquired in the last week. If you haven't acquired some skills, go acquire some skills, man, because because again, you are neuroplastic. And neuroplasticity, neuro just means neuro, you know, neurons, the nervous system, which is, in, is the cells that communicate with the cells of the body. Our system of 10,000 trillion working cells is an incredible machine. It's linked together by this flow of energy through us, the neural stimuli. Our nervous system allows us to take the awareness, take these stimuli that are around us and turn it into something tangible inside of us. And we can do this. We can do this every single day. You have the ability to learn and learn about learning and think about thinking and onwards and upwards. You can constantly be doing this every day of your life. And that's one of the things I want this show to do. I want this show to teach you about science so you can internalize it. So you can see that even the most mundane, teeny tiny little understanding of science, the universe, the earth around us, can give you a more profound understanding of yourself and therefore motivate you to want to learn more, to want to be more, think more, do more, to be more gracious, to have more empathy. And that's where we're going here. 
So on the last episode, I got a little carried away. I, I don't know. I guess it was okay. I got some feedback that people dug it. You know, there's kind of a crazy thing going on right now. You got this this whole new world order that's going on, and for a scientific minded person, it's some of the 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 what's the word like the 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 history of a certain political party has not been super favorable to science. So, anyways, we talked last week about how we can double down on gratitude. We can double down on empathy. But I just kind of gave it to you in the light of you should you should do this. Now I want to kind of tell you a little bit more about the why the science of the why, the studies behind the why, and then we'll focus on the how. How? How do we increase gratitude and empathy in ourselves? And we will see that this will actually, you know, the science is out. The science is showing us that it will change our neurochemistry. It'll change our neurobiology. It'll change our our mass, our matter, our visceral cells of our system will change. And again, remember, you are the most connected thing you could ever comprehend. You cannot believe the machinery that you truly are. You are these 10,000 trillion cells that are communicating constantly with each other. I've done episodes on them. My previous episodes on the cells were just too amazing even to fit it into a 20-minute episode. The things that the stuff can do. These incredible complex machines. So you are a complex structure made of complex machines that can do more complicated things than we could ever possibly comprehend. And you can learn about it. And you can personify it. And you can have gratitude for it. So if you have nothing but gra- no- nothing gracious in your life right now, Double down and focus on the gratitude that you are a walking, talking, thinking, feeling thing sitting here, having the ability to perso- to have the technology that allows you to be a part of this podcast, to listen to music, to be the things that you truly are, to just be in a world where music exists. We've talked about this in other episodes. This 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 meet this method uh, this ether you know this this voice that I'm giving you right now. It has it wouldn't exist without the atmosphere that is around you. But I'm not going to divert too much into that. I can get. Re- really ranty into those worlds really quickly because that's my jam y'all love me some science so gratitude now if we go back and we touch on this with more science the science of gratitude and empathy we can talk about these ideas talk about the studies and talk about how neuroplasticity ties it together wires it together and therefore makes it a part of us so once again we understand the science we're going to take control of our mind and our mind will take control of our body our body will take control of our mind and we'll perpetuate this amazing cycle Gratitude is not a new concept. Gratitude has been around for a really, really long period of time. Way back in ancient philosophers used and talked about the word gratitude. Cicero cited gratitude as the mother of all virtues. And then the Stoic philosopher Seneca, which Stoism is really cool. I'm a big Tim Ferriss listener, and he's always into these wor- into this world of Stoicism. He conceived that gratitude was a fundamental motivational drive and critical for building relationships. And what else would we want? You know, we want to be virtuous. We want to have relationships with the people around us. We want to share what's in our mind, in our bodies, with the people in our inner circles and outside our inner circles. You know, that's what I hope this does. I hope this takes my mind, takes my brain, the things that make me happy, and gives it to you, kicks it on down the road to you, and you can kick it on down to someone else. And yes, that's a tiny little ploy for you to hopefully share the podcast if you're digging this. But if not, just enjoy it for yourself. I totally get it. So when researching gratitude, when really getting into it, there was a man that kept coming up and one that really kind of blew my mind. It was really cool. You do like, you just, you just learn. I sit down, I start researching, I have my notebook, I have my computer, I got stuff in front of me and it just kind of goes. And this video I found at the end of almost an hour and a half of research in Starbucks, this was like the, 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 the key. This was like, was like, yes, this is the episode. A man named Richard Hansen, he has this amazing video, and it was very amazing, very enlightening. He reviewed neuroplasticity, and then he talked about his three rules of how when studying gratitude, empathy, and neuroplasticity, he, come, he came up with these three rules. Number one, it says, if the brain changes, the mind changes. 
Number two, if the mind changes, the brain changes. And then number three, you can use the mind to change the brain to change the mind. And if you really slow that down again, if the brain changes the mind, the mind changes the brain, and you can use the mind to change the brain to change the mind, it's just a circle. What he means, what he means by that is that the idea is that the brain is truly the body, but the mind is the electrical currency that's going through it. And I kind of came up with an analogy in my head because it seemed kind of confusing to someone who doesn't... It, 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 it can be confusing rapidly. So if you think about a road and a car, the road allows the car to go from point A to point B. The car drives on the road, so the road exists. The car is the information. It's the person. It's the passenger that's being transported, so the car exists. So he relates the body to being the road, a.k.a. your nervous system, like the neurons that the, that the car can drive down. He therefore then says the mind is the neuron, is the actual chemical electrical signal, you know, the nervous energy that is flying through the neuron. So it's the car. The car drives down the road and the road allows the car to drive. So if we, ch the brain changes the mind, right? If the, if the, if the roads go left, the car can't go right. Therefore, though, the mind could off-road, could go in a different direction, so therefore it could theoretically change the road. This is where the analogy breaks down a little bit, so I'm going to get rid of it. So what he's saying is that your body is the neuro neurological symphony. It's the thing that allows the electrical currency to go down, and it's going to take the path that the brain has laid out for it, aka the body. So inside the mind, we can need to wire it, and we've reviewed this in other episodes. I talked about even last week, this neurological symphony phonic, awesome, epic thing that is your brain is these cells that don't replicate. They just stay, and you pretty much get most of your brain cells right when you're born. You've got them your whole life. They do a little bit of replication, but not too much. However, they can wire up. They change and manipulate every day of your life, constantly creating neural new, new neural connections. So you see the connection here. If the brain connects a new connection, the brain makes a new pathway between two other neurons, now the electrical signal can go down them. And now as the body, will, now as the electrical signal will go down them in this newly wired brain, it's also going to be able to go into new nooks and crannies, be able to go into new crevices as it goes. And there's the cycle. So what he says, the number three rule is the most important one. We can use the mind to change the brain to change the mind. And this is truly my world of yoga. This is the world of mindfulness. This is the world of meditation. The years and years and years in nonfiction books of what we classify as Eastern philosophy had talked about this. Meditation and mindfulness is about becoming aware of what goes on inside your inside the mind itself which if you're thinking it it is neurological it is electrons it is stuff flying down through the nervous system and we now know and science is proving which i'm going to talk about here in a second Science is being able to map out the mind of people who rank high on gratitude scales, map out the mind of empathy, and map out the mind of people who are in mindfulness. And the studies are now showing that little bits of mindfulness practice, which is, again, bringing awareness of the mind to what's happening in the brain. You control the mind, you'll control the body, where many times our body will control our own mind. And what I mean by that is I get up from this chair and I walk to the kitchen. My feet go left, right, left, right, left, right. My heart beats, my hands move, all this stuff takes place. However, in that time, I guarantee you after this, I'll be like, was that episode good? Was it this? Was, oh my God, creative endeavors. Why am I, this is no, you know, my mind's going to go everywhere. And if we can bring them into connection together, we can make them more symphonic. We can make them work. He then goes on to talk about how fMRI scanners, functional magnetic resonance scanners, are now able to map out brain activity. And it shows that in the prefrontal cortex, there was strengthening here that showed a greater well-being. So if your prefrontal cortex had more gray matter, literally more, more 
more matter, more connections in that area, you had a greater control. You had greater control over negative emotions. But he also said, and there were studies showing that if you have a high stress or you're not in the gratitude, if you don't focus on gratitude, you actually release, it's a stressor, and you can release cortisol. And it showed that cortisol actually can eat away at the prefrontal cortex that much like acid eats away at a table. And this then allows and, and hinders the hippocampus, which controls memory. And if this, he related it to the fact that if you lose your ability to process memory, like you don't have this, the, the brain sponge to hold on to it, you couldn't even process and remember the good stuff of the day when it got to such a point. So this was the whole idea, this whole concept of his his mind-body connections and the circle that goes onwards and upwards into this is that if we can change our awareness, bring our awareness to being more gratitude, aka choose to focus on gratitude through various strategies, we will change the mind, which will change the body. Then the body is going to change, the brain will change, which allow the mind to go further inwards and upwards in the positive. It can do it the other way. If we don't bring our awareness to this and the mind runs loose, the mind will change the brain in the negative and the mind-body connection will spiral downwards. And this sounds woo-woo. It sounds like Eastern yoga, like namaste. And it is, but now the science is showing other words. The science is showing what's taking place with this and it's showing it with the brain. So a couple studies that I found were really powerful. And it goes way back in time, all the way to 2003. You know, way back in time. What am I saying? 2003 is not that far away. Journal of Personality and Social Psychology said that people were more resilient after 9-11 if they sat down and focused on things they were thankful for versus things they were not thankful for. 2006 had a couple of studies. One from the Behavior, Re- Behavior Research and Therapy Institute said that among veterans, if they focused on gratitude or even ranked higher in a gratitude state, they had less symptoms of PTSD. And this led caution to actually call it an increase in resilience overall. 2011, Applied Psychology had this wonderful study that showed that people who just sat down and simply wrote down 15 things they were grateful for were right before bed slept longer and better, like proven quantitatively with data. If you wrote down the 15 things, you had a greater sleep. What an easy tactic to do. And then in 2012, the University of Kentucky found that people with higher levels of gratitude were less likely to retaliate and seek revenge with the presence of negative emotions and negative feedbacks being given to them. And it just shows that being gratitude makes you less of a reactive human being. And, you know, you may be, you may want to be reactive. I don't know why you would. We don't want to be reactive. You know, I I struggle with this as a teacher. I had a rough day-to-day teaching. Kids were like, I reports of bullying and just not being on task. And if I look back and I focus on that negative, I'm going to spiral downwards. I'm going to choose and try and create my mind into the positive, into the smiling faces of the kids, not the bullied kids, not the, the bully or, I don't, I hate bullies. God, I hate bullies so much. Freaks me out. I was bullied when I was a kid and it really, I have like a tortured of a teacher that I can't, you know, if I, if I miss it, if I miss bullying is going on, I'm going to be super mad with myself. Anyways, I digress. Back to 2012 in the University of Kentucky. 2014, there was a study of the Journal of Applied Sports Psychology, and this is kind of cool for you athletes out there. This actually showed that if you if you had if you focused on gratitude, doing gracious practices, gratitude meditations, or you just had more gratitude, like you thought of yourself as you ranked high on the gratitude scale, you actually had improved athletic performance. You were reduced; it reduced your your likelihood for social competitions and improved athletic self esteem. And it also brought together the team. It showed that teams with higher gratitude and did gratitude practices were actually more able to see the contributions of themselves to and each other to the team as a whole, bringing them together. 
And that's awesome. And these all sound like things. These are qualitative studies because you can only do it by based on what people think and what they say. It's hard to, you know, give it data, what we call quantified, quanti quantitative studies in science. Now the NCBI use this functional scanners now and use these gratitude practices to actually show that there is changes in the brain. So when Zahn in 2008 showed that when you were making moral judgments, it actually activated the right anterior superior temporal cortex, which is just a region of the mind, showing that this kind of woo-woo, this amazingness of the human emotion actually stimulates different sections of your brain. So also if you have a progress to gratitude, there was a correlation to the amount of gray matter in the right inferior gyrus and post medial cortices along the anterior cingular cortex and medial prefrontal cortex. Got it. So again, just showing you that the mind is there. It's showing that now functional magnetic resonances are able to take these emotions that we can speak and we can share because we can talk and humans are amazing and we can share our emotions with the world. We can now see that it lies somewhere, that there is a fundamental change in the mind that relate to these things that we get to call gratitude, that we get to call happy, sad, whatever. And that's what science can do for us. It can show us now. They can show that the mind controls this the, the brain like literally the fundamental matter of the brain can change it and now we can stimulate it we can go forward onwards and upwards he actually had there were there were there was a study out there where he actually took there was a scientist i believe it was zahn it might be wrong Let's see if i can find it really quick Okay. Emmons, sorry, Richard Emmons, I forgot about this dude. This guy's like the main guy. When you search gratitude and studies of gratitude, Richard A. Emmons, PhD, is like the leading researcher in this. He worked with a guy named Mike McCulliff, and they had five people journal. They had 15 people journal. Five people journaled gratitude before bed. Five things they were happy for on the day. Five people journaled hassles. Five things they were not happy on on the day. And five people just simply journaled. In the end, the gratitude group, the ones that put down the five things, were 25% data-drivenly happier than the ones who didn't and had an average actually of 1.5 better hours of REM sleep when mapping their sleep patterns. What a powerful thing. And that just shows you the ideas of this, that just a simple gratitude practice, how hard is it to write down five things before bed? I've actually been doing it in the morning, which I might start doing it right in the morning and night. And it's just a pen and a paper and a little notepad. You just write down a couple of things as you get through. The next thing is we file into is which empathy. And empathy does not have as much of a study. The coolness about the empathy was that it shows that we are wired for empathy based on an evolutionarily animalistic behavior. There was a study in 1964 from the Journal of Psychiatry that actually showed these rhesus monkeys, when put into a test, performed in a very empathetic way. There was a, The rhesus monkey refused to pull a lever that would give itself its food for the day if that lever tied into the monkey next to them and it got zapped, which sounds, which sounds pretty heinous. But this is a, this is a very close celestial, uh, celestial evolutionary ancestor of us. So the monkey would not pull a lever to give itself food if it zapped its neighbor. And you can think about that as people, right? You know, us humans, we are actually wired for empathy because we exist inside societal circles. You know, we have we have to be able to do this. We have probably evolved this ability because we are a part of the animal kingdom. Animals need to be able to see one go and, and understand what their awareness is, especially the people that mean a lot to them. There's another cool study they talked about where Zahn and Wexler, Wexler actually had people who owned dogs in the home. They had them go into the home with the dogs and fake emotions. And most of the time, the dog was actually mimicking the emotion. Like, i.e., if they came in and they were very sad and looked bummed, the dog was more likely to put their head on their lap. And I always relate this back to my puppies. They do that for me as well. They also, I've always noticed that if they're chilling on me and I'm playing like a video game and all of a sudden I get tense or I get a little angry at the video game because I have a tendency to get mad at video games because I'm silly like that, they'll 
they'll actually like jump off the couch and run away. They totally know without me even saying anything. There's I can get tense and they just sense it. I don't know if they sense it. You know, you know what I'm talking about. So that's what we're going with here. So you are a hardwired creature for empathy. And this is something that you can do and you understand this. And empathy is a big, very, very heavy emotion to think about. Our ability to be empathetic towards others. There's other studies showing that we are actually hardwired more so to be more self-absorbed because, you know, we have reptilian minds. We have an older brain that makes us make make sure that we are surviving. That's the core of biology is to eat, sleep, reproduce, and not be eaten. So it doesn't always benefit you to be empathetic on an evolutionary standpoint. Most of the time, it's actually better to take care of numero uno, you know, first. But we are higher of all primates, man. We can change our mindset of this. So as I wrap this up here, you're this hardwired creature for empathy. What this is all about, this episode centers on the idea that the science is showing you that you can change your mind and body, mind and brain, with your awareness. A study showed, Richard, the, the first guy I talked about, Richard Hansen, talked about how you were. He, they actually looked at cab drivers in New York who had been a cabbie for a really long period of time, mapping out their brain, showing they had more matter in the regions of the brain that are associated with spatial awareness. And this doesn't seem like a big deal, but their ability to have spatial awareness and predictive abilities would be very beneficial to a cab driver. But chances are, it was much stronger because they had been doing it for so long. Their neuroplasticity had been learning and their body has been internalizing the stimuli of now. So what you can do is you can bring your awareness to gratitude. And at first it is very difficult, but since I'm telling you this, since you understand this to some degree now, if you go inwards and upwards with your awareness into whatever emotions you want to see fit, you will change the brain. You will change the mind, which will then change the brain, which will allow for new neurological symptoms to get uh, signals to get into new corners and perpetuate it like a running machine, like a snowballing effect for good. You bring your awareness to good things. You bring your awareness to gratitude, to empathy, to positive stuff that gets you stoked versus the negative, which will come up. We have a negativity bias as people, but if we take our time and make our choices go towards the awareness, bring our awareness to, we will learn to feel these emotions. And by learn, I mean change the cells, change the fundamental matter that is within you that's going to allow you then to personify these emotions over and over and over again. It perpetuates downwards. This is power, people. This is a choice. This showing, science has now proven that we can do this. We are the most evolved mind on the planet that we have ever understood. We are the only ones we know about with consciousness, this inner voice. Make that inner voice your biggest cheerleader. Make that inner voice the most gracious thing on the planet. It's very hard to do. I've been super hypocritical about this. I've been kind of bummed and struggling with the podcast, with teaching, with other things, but I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to be sad about my podcast. I don't want to be sad about teaching. I want to be happy. I want to live the life that and express every possible thing that I can do with this 10,000 trillion machine, this incredible epic existence, 1 times 10 to the 2,695,000th out of zero, out of one special creature that I am. So I'm going to turn off this podcast. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go do things. I'm going to bring my awareness to things that make me happy, knowing that my body is learning happiness. That happiness is becoming ingrained in me. I'm going to go hug my girlfriend. I'm going to go talk to my mom. I'm going to do things because I am hardwired for their love. Their love is now a fundamental part of me. These things that we think of, we say love, we say gratitude, happy, sad. We give words to emotions. We can do that because our brain has learned those words. And also you then associate 
associate the word with a feeling, and we know that feeling is neurochemistry. I gave this to you in the previous episode. It is dopamine, norepinephrine, oxytocin. You know, we they, there's studies showing that gratitude releases these, releases, increases amounts of oxytocin, which is the social bonding. It's the cuddle drug, and that there makes you just happier and healthier. And you can now see, when you look at it from a connected standpoint of the ecology of a human, if you can bring your awareness and increase gratitude, you will radiate gratitude. You will personify those external emotions, which will now become a stimuli for the person next to you to see, touch, and feel those emotions, and it will become a part of them. And we, again, will double down on gratitude. We will double down on love, and we will double down on empathy. But first, you have to fix the roots of the tree before the tree can grow. Take the time, take the energy. What I want you to do is I want you to turn off this podcast and write down five things you've learned that you're grateful for, or just five things you're grateful for. Do that right now, or do it right before bed. Write down five things, and give yourself a little sentence, which how do you want to be? How do you want to feel? I want to be a person that does X until I go to bed here. I do it in the morning. You can try it at night. Do whatever. You bring the awareness to the gratitude and your body is going to change into the gracious state. And I'm telling you people, the more I study science, the more I go through life, the more you got to realize that you should be the most gracious person on the planet. We have ups and downs, side to side, some haves and some have nots. Just that's this the human experience. But in the end, you are this celestial creature, this amazing machine that is made of stellar debris orbiting in this amazing, perfectly wild sun on this little tiny rock with this little tiny perfect moon made up of the same things breathing this amazing air energized by starlight you are stardust energized by starlight if you're not going to be gra- gracious about anything be gracious about that let alone the epic quest and the epic origin story that has existed through evolution to allow you to be the thing that i get to call me that you get to call you so go forth out there people like always be gracious be gratitude bring your awareness towards the good personify it be it live it love it because after all, you are a beautiful dust speck, and I love y'all. Peace.